Welcome to the Semicolon Club podcast. Funny name, serious podcast. In each episode, we focus on topics relevant to those living with colon cancer. It is our goal to inspire and encourage you during your fight and to provide hope throughout your journey. The show is not just for patients, but for survivors, caregivers, family, and friends as you navigate this journey together. Stay tuned. Today, we are so happy to have Dr. Allison Bridges with us. Dr. Bridges, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I am a Birmingham native. I grew up in Gardendale, and I went to Auburn and then went to medical school at South Alabama. And then after meeting my husband there, he and I went to Madison, Wisconsin, where we did internal medicine training and returned back to UAB for my GI fellowship. here locally uh, with Gastro Health for the majority of my career. I uh, retired last year and now I'm a full-time mom to four young kids and have more time to do things like this that I'm passionate about. That's awesome and Allison we just appreciate um, all the support that you've offered Rump Shaker over the past several years and you were just a, a great asset to the organization and helping us uh, fulfill our mission of raising awareness and letting folks know about uh, screening options and, and different things like that. So we appreciate your support and your partnership so much. Good. I'm glad to be able to be a part of it. So one of the things that we are going to talk about today is the rising incidence of colon cancer diagnosis in younger people and the different effects that that has and what we should be looking for when it comes to screening and those type things. Can, can you take that and just sort of give us some information on what you guys see? Sure. You know, I think early in my career and during my training, we really thought of colon cancer as kind of an older person's disease. And, you know, we'd have some people in their 50s, but I don't remember really seeing people younger than that very often. And when we did, it was something I typically did remember because it was impressionable. It didn't happen very often. And sometime in the last you know, 10 years or so, there's been a shift uh, that we don't quite understand, but we are uh, doing a, a great job with older people getting screening and our overall mortality rates and are decreasing and colon cancer survival is increasing uh, in older folks. But what we found is that younger people, and often it's people in their kind of 40 to 50 range, although it can be younger than that, are getting diagnosed more often. And uh, the rate of that has steadily been increasing. And uh, it's really a mystery so far. We're not quite sure why it's happening, uh, but it is something that's a definite trend. And it's something important that is important for us to get the word out to younger people because screening is not something that they're getting. Uh, screening is beneficial because it finds cancer prior to people having symptoms. And like most cancers, colon cancer is much more curable when it's found early, uh, when people don't have, don't know what symptoms to look for or aren't aware that they're having symptoms that are important, it often leads to a delayed diagnosis. So younger people are often getting diagnosed at a later stage when the cancer is not as curable and when the treatments are uh, much more aggressive and invasive. So it's an important yeah. thing to be aware of. Yes, definitely. Um, talk a little bit, if you will, um, so for, for those folks out there who maybe don't know, um, the recommended screening age 
for colon cancer is age 50 if you don't have any other risk factors or family history and that type thing, which we are going to get into, um, you know, what does family history mean? Um, I want you to talk about, um, you know, who needs to be screened at a different age due to family history and, and kind of go through that here in a minute. But what I would like for you to share with us is, um, are we seeing the screening recommendations lowered and how does that correlate with, um, you know, insurance paying for those things? Uh, tell us what you see on that front. Sure. So several different societies have altered their guidelines over the last few years to recommend that screening ages be decreased to 45 and older rather than 50 and older. Uh, in some places that is kind of coming available, uh, but in many places, including Alabama, uh, screening benefits have not been extended through our insurance companies to those younger people yet. Uh, so that's something that would have to be uh, paid out of pocket and can be quite expensive. So for most folks in our area in particular, the screening age uh, for insurance companies to cover your colonoscopy cost or whatever screening test you choose cost is still age 50. But it's always helpful to check with your insurance company benefits and see if you might have one of those companies that are allowing people to get screening starting at age 45. Also, particularly, I'll touch on African-American patients. Uh, we've known for quite some time now that colon cancers typically occur at a younger age in African-Americans, and they um, have, um, you know, more uh, advanced disease at the time of diagnosis. And we're not really sure if this is a biologic genetic type cause or if it has to do with the uh, decreased uh, access to care and disparities. But overall, the mortality in African-Americans who get colon cancer is higher than in white counterparts. And they tend to have later stage diagnosis um, at the time of, well, they tend to have a later stage at the time of diagnosis. So in particular, if, if you're an African-American and you're in that 45 to 50 age range, it would be key to check with your insurance company and see if, if they are covering you at that age. Because I would encourage everyone that can, um, especially if African-American people in the 45 to 49 age range, to go ahead and get screened. Or if you have any symptom at all whatsoever to seek care about it and go ahead and get checked for colon cancer. Yeah, that's 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 excellent advice, um, Allison. And, and you're right. That is, um, you know, the patients that we work with, we we've been seeing that uptick, not only in the younger patients, but as you said, when when they are African American in that in that forty um, five to fifty range, uh, the it is it does seem to be more advanced than in the white counterpart or, or other ethnicities in that 45 to 50 range. So, I mean, that's, that's across the board. We're seeing that, you know, it's not just, not just in Alabama, it's, it's across, across the board that we we're seeing those, um, those results. Uh, talk a little bit, you mentioned checking with your insurance. Um, I know that there are, there are different scenarios where the insurance will cover um, a colonoscopy and, even if you're younger. So um, tell us a little bit maybe about what that scenario looks like. So so we're, there's a difference. I want folks to understand there's a difference in I'm 47 years old and I just, you know, want to go get the colonoscopy because I'm 47 and I'm 38 and I have 
XYZ symptom that the doctor is going to, to be able to recommend and insurance pay for the colonoscopy. Talk a little bit about maybe some of those scenarios. Sure. So the, the distinction really has to do with the difference between screening, which is when you are looking uh, for something prior to it causing symptoms. So in this case, it would be colonoscopy or fecal occult blood test or fit test or colaguard looking for colon cancer or polyps, which can develop into colon cancer prior to you having any symptoms. And that's basically what a screening test would be. And right now for most folks, age 50 is when you would start that. It could be 45, depending on your risk factors. And also it could even be younger than that, depending on your family history, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, the other aspect is diagnostic colonoscopy. And that has to do with someone that's having symptoms that are concerning for colon cancer, among other things. So there's a wide array of symptoms that people can have that might not be anything of consequence, but also could be something serious as colon cancer. And often the symptoms, if it is from colon cancer, have to do with where in the bowel the cancer starts. Uh, for instance, if someone has a cancer, a mass formed in the rectum or in the uh, lower part of the colon, what's called the sigmoid colon, which is that S-shaped part of the colon that connects to the rectum, they may have bleeding as one of the early symptoms. So anytime someone sees any kind of blood in their bowel movements, it should raise concern. And I, over the years, had several times that patients would come to me and tell me they thought they had a hemorrhoid bleeding or something along those lines. And it might be a hemorrhoid bleeding, but I've also had people that kind of thought it was a hemorrhoid and it turns out when we did a colonoscopy it was a mass it was a colon cancer uh, so I tell folks don't ever take bleeding lightly it's something that even if it happens one time you need to see your doctor over it and in most cases people need to have a, a colonoscopy or at least a flexible sigmoidoscopy to evaluate that depending on their age and risk and overall uh, kind of health history other things like abdominal pain uh, could be a, a sign of colon cancer that tends to be one of the less common symptoms that arise. Patients often get really concerned when they have abdominal pain, thinking it could be a cancer. Uh, but in most cases, it's not. But nevertheless, it's not normal, and it needs an evaluation. And that's something where you should see your doctor and talk about the symptoms and talk about what kind of workup should be done. Um, another one that can happen is a change in bowel habits. And again, uh, that's a very common symptom. People often have fluctuating bowel habits and some people kind of altered bowel habits as they're normal. Uh, but anytime there's a distinct change or an abrupt change in bowel habits, that's a concerning symptom uh, that needs to be addressed and could indicate that the patient might have colon, a colon cancer and a colonoscopy should be considered. Uh, as cancer becomes more advanced, it can become obstructive. So some people can have you know, severe change in bowel habits where they're just unable to have bowel movements or have very small bowel movements. But early on, it may be more of a subtle change. Right. Just one more thing as far as symptoms. This is not really a symptom, but it needs to get addressed as something that you know, could be serious. Is if somebody's found to have anemia, and particularly iron deficiency anemia, uh, that would be found through a blood test that your doctor would do. Uh, but while there are lots of causes for anemia, uh, especially you know women who are having their menses or their periods, they can be anemic and have iron deficiency. Colon yeah. cancer is something that is a um, very potential cause. It's a potential cause of anemia and needs to be considered. 
it really depends on the overall patient and what their you know, history is and their age and their gender as far as whether colonoscopy is one of the first tests or not. But it's certainly something that needs to be evaluated. And like we talked about, people can have blood in the stool that's visible. Colon cancer also can cause just tiny amounts of bleeding over time, and that can develop into anemia. Some of the testing that we do to evaluate uh, for colon cancer for the screening process, again, these are asymptomatic patients, is to look for blood in the stool. If somebody is having symptoms, the tests that I'm about to talk about are really not recommended. The test that she would want to do is a colonoscopy, which after a bowel cleanse allows the doctor to sedate you and put a, a scope that has a camera on it into the rectum and to evaluate the entire colon. Colonoscopy allows you to directly evaluate the lining of the colon, looking for masses or polyps or other causes of bleeding. Also, it's unique in the sense that it is also a therapeutic test. It allows the doctor to be able to take biopsies if they do find a mass to determine that it is a cancer. Also, if you find polyps, which are precancerous lesions, it allows for the doctor to actually remove polyps during the procedure. Um, the other tests are less invasive uh, and are largely looking at blood in the stool and looking for blood in the stool. If they were to find it, then the next test to further diagnose things is to do a colonoscopy. So we've got things like the fecal occult blood test, which is what uh, was used for years that looks for uh, blood in the stool. And with it, it's a little bit cumbersome in the sense that you have to collect the stool sample for three days in a row. And you also need to adjust your diet uh, prior to that because things like red meat can have hemoglobin in them. And that's what we are detecting in the stool. Uh, it's beneficial in the sense that it's easy, it's inexpensive, and, uh, you know, it's a fairly uh, good test to do. You only have to do it once a year. Uh, whereas, uh, but one of the downsides is if it were to be positive, you've got to do a uh, colonoscopy as the next test. The more recent form of looking for blood in the stool is what's called a fit test. And that test is beneficial that, that you don't have to do any kind of diet modifications and you only have to collect the stool one time. It's not three days in a row. Uh, it's just a little bit kind of a, a more advanced technology than the fecal occult blood test is. Again, if it were to be positive, then the next test to evaluate is to do a colonoscopy. And then more recently, uh, there's been a test called Colgard and that test uses the FIT test as well as looks for abnormal DNA from cancer cells in the stool. And if that test is done and it's negative, it rec it's recommended that it be done every three years. And if it's positive, it also would lead to a colonoscopy as the next test. Uh, and then the other one is a flexible sigmoidoscopy and I won't spend too much time talking about it because it's one that we don't do as often. Uh, it basically allows uh, the doctor after doing an enema type prep, allows the doctor to put the scope in the rectum and see the left side of the colon and look for cancers there. Um, it does not require as extensive of a bowel prep, but also because it does not require as extensive of a bowel prep, 
the uh, colon is not as well cleaned out and we often don't get as good of a look as we do with full colonoscopy. Uh, it doesn't require sedation, although largely in our area in particular, most people that get done decide to have the sedation done. Uh, but the biggest downside to it is that it really only sees, you know, a third to half of best of the colon. And over the last, you know, 20 or so years, we've kind of had a shift in the location of colon cancers. We're used to colon cancers were more commonly located in the rectum and in that left side of the colon on the sigmoid. But more recently, particularly in, in older, meaning older than 50 people, the uh, colon cancer location has shifted more to the right side, and that side is not visualized at all during a flexible sigmoidoscopy. Uh, so in most cases, your best screening options are going to be either one of the tests that look for blood in the stool, um, such as FIT, Colgard, or fecal occult blood test, or doing a full colonoscopy. That's great information, Allison, on those different screening methods. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, next thing I would like for us to talk about is family history. What constitutes family history? Um, you hear the term a first-degree relative, and uh, an insurance will pay for, for screening in certain scenarios uh, where a first-degree relative has been diagnosed with colon cancer. Talk a little bit about that, the age uh, parameters and such. Sure. So when you uh, talk about kind of screening benefits with insurance companies, uh, you're right in the sense that they do pay for family history, often at an earlier age than 50, uh, but sometimes because of the way that the screening is written, it's, it's complicated and has to do with kind of uh, recent laws that were passed with the um, Affordable Care Act, et cetera, but they have coverage with what's called average risk patients, which so is basically someone that has no increased risk of colon cancer. Those folks can often have their colonoscopy with no copays or deductibles or anything along those lines. In some cases, depending on certain insurance companies, you're considered to be at high risk if you have a family history as the cause of you having screening, and you may have to pay some towards the benefits, uh, deductible, et cetera, but it would still be overall covered by insurance. But I'll just make that distinction between average risk and high risk, and high risk would be someone with a family history. So the family history that really matters is people that have a first-degree relative with a history of colon cancer. A first-degree relative would be a parent, a child, or a sibling. So in most people's cases, it's going to be a parent or a sibling that causes them to have an increased risk of colon cancer. As people who have colon cancer, um, if, if you get colon cancer at an older age, your risk for your family having subsequent development of colon cancer overall is lower. In general, the younger somebody is at the age of diagnosis, the higher the risk would be for their family members to get colon cancer. But the key thing in most people with family history of colon cancer to remember is that it's best for those people to get a colonoscopy as their screening test and not get fecal occult blood testing or fit testing, et cetera. That is kind of something that's distinct in a lot of people that I've seen in clinic uh, with a family history would not be aware of that. But colonoscopy is the recommended screening test for people with a family history. Yes, yes. If you have a family history, it partly depends on the age of the relative at what time you would want to start 
getting screening. But for most people with colon cancer family history, it's recommended that the person who has the family history get screened starting at age 40. Um, it also could be recommended that they would be screened starting 10 years prior to the person who is their family member with colon cancer's age of diagnosis. So for instance, if your father were to be unfortunate enough to have colon cancer diagnosed at age 42, you would not want to wait until age 40 to start getting screening. You would want to start getting your screening at age 32. Right, right. Yes, that's, I know that was my, my situation. Uh, my mother was 44 at her diagnosis. So I actually, I actually began um, at age 32, um, just, just based on my, my primary care doctor's recommendation. Um, and then I know another family member who had um, both a mother and a, a, a uncle on both sides of their family um, they were recommended to just start flat at age 30 because even though their mother was in their 40s uh, when they were diagnosed uh, because of having it on both sides of the family, fairly close proximity, you know, their primary care doctor said you should start at 30. And right. at 30, they actually had some precancerous polyps. So um, that's another another place where it's so critical that you have that relationship with your physician and they know your history to really guide you through that process of what does, you know, what does that mean uh, to you? Because I know there's a lot of folks out there who are biding their time for, oh, well, you know, I don't have to do it until this age and I'm going to wait until, you know, right up on that day. Um, and then there's others who, who want to go ahead. You know, in my case, I could have, I guess, technically waited till I was 34. But when my doctor said, go ahead, I thought, yeah, I'll just go ahead and get it over with make sure everything's okay. And I agree, Jackie, I think that's important uh, that you touched on that having that relationship with your primary care doctor or your internist is really important because, you know, these kind of discussions happen far before the patient sees me in the endoscopy suite or sees me in clinic and things like that matter. The more people in the family that have a family who have colon cancer, that increases your risk. Also, yeah. there are certain syndromes like Lynch syndrome or familial adenomatous polyposis or FAP that are rare, uh, but patients may not always put pieces of the puzzle together and doctors may not either until people really sit down and look at that family tree and figure out, you know, what the, the number of people are with certain cancers and those sort of syndromes do have to do with colon cancer, but there are other cancers that go along with it as well. So you may discover in talking with a patient and reviewing their family history that they are at risk for those. And for certain syndromes, colonoscopies or um, other types of uh, tests for looking for ovarian cancer, for instance, would need to be done on even a yearly basis. And some of these uh, syndromes have different uh, genetic tests that can be done to help identify people that might have it so that they can be identified early enough and have whatever preventative surgeries might need to be done. So while yeah. these things are rare, they are out there and you really should know your family history as best as you can and talk to your doctor about it. Um, also colon cancer uh, risk in uh, colon cancer family history is important as far as screening, but there are certain advanced polyps that can also increase your risk. So it may be a polyp that wasn't cancer yet, but had the potential of becoming a cancer 
in several years. So knowing what you can about your family members' health is important. I know sometimes people are private, especially things like colonoscopies are embarrassing, uh, but it's helpful if you were to have a family member, such as a parent, have a colonoscopy and they have a couple of polyps, know yeah. a little bit about them. You know, hey, were they just little polyps the doctor snipped off during the procedure? Yes. Okay. Well, if that's the case, your risk isn't it, it necessarily increased more so than what the average person was. But if, if it's a very large polyp and requires surgery, or if it is certain types of uh, pathological findings on the polyp, then those really should be treated as the same as someone who has colon cancer as a family history. So yes. I won't delve into all the, the nitty gritty of the numbers, but that's just something to find out with, if you are talking to family members, you know, hey, was it a big polyp? Did the doctor say it was serious? Yes, and yes. That's something that um, some people would never know that they needed to have colonoscopies more often because, you know, it was, quote, just a polyp that was removed. Yes. But in actuality, that polyp might have been a cancer within a year. That, that Yes, yes. Well, and, um, and another, you know, another way, I know you maybe you ask a parent something like that and well I don't know I'm not sure what they said cuz maybe they didn't ask ask a question but I think another thing that you can base it off of is well how often did they say you have to come back That's if they said point. you you know come back in a year or 3 talk about those intervals a little bit yeah so you know in general if someone has a, a advanced polyp or a high risk polyp uh they are asked to come back more often so if the family member were to be told to come back at a year or at six months, then that more than likely could have been one of those higher risk polyps. And it would be helpful to get information. And it might just be that the, the family member, whether it be a parent or a sibling, when they talk to their GI doctor next, could ask, is this a polyp that is serious enough that I need to tell my brother and my sister, uh, my children to get colonoscopies at a different rate or at an earlier age than what I would otherwise. And yeah. that's something that as doctors, you know, we try to, we try to relay that information, but there's a lot that happens in the day of a colonoscopy and people are sedated and don't yes. remember everything as well. And then often the uh, pathology is not back for, you know, several days or a week. And by the time that information gets communicated to the patient, it may not uh, be communicated in a way that's understood. So it's always important if it does seem like a family member's colonoscopy uh, follow-up time is less than normal, uh, than you know, five years, then find out, hey, why was that? And if it is something that is because of an advanced polyp, you know, does that mean that I need to get checked out sooner? Yes, yes, that's that's great, great advice. Um, as, as we you know wind this down and get ready to wrap up, uh, the last thing I'd like for you to touch on is what I call the million dollar question. Um, you know, people ask, well, what can I do to prevent colon cancer? What can I do, um, you know, to, to just improve my chances? Um, maybe someone's been diagnosed with colon cancer and, and they want to know what they can do to improve their, their chance of survival. But, but more often than not, I get the question, well, how do I prevent it? So, Allison, do you have the answer to the million dollar question? I wish I did. And that's a great question. I tend to look at it in kind of two different ways. One is what kind of things am I doing that I can try to change to decrease my chances of getting colon cancer? And then what kind of things can I do that will improve my chances of not getting colon cancer? 
Uh, there's certain things that we don't have any control over whatsoever, such as family history, or if you have one of those genetic syndromes, uh, people with things like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis have an increased risk that they can't do anything about. Um, to some extent, your gender and your race determine it. But some of the things that do make a big impact are just overall lifestyle things. You know, we know that people that eat a lot of processed meat and red meat uh, tend to have an increased risk of colon cancer. Um, the thought behind that is that there's probably during the processing uh, process and the cooking process, the release of carcinogens uh, that increase the risk. Uh, so cutting down on your red meat and processed meat intake could make a difference. Um, we know there's an association between smoking and colon cancer. So smoking or chewing tobacco um, are things that can be stopped and that decreases your risk of colon cancer as well as many, many other type things. Right. Uh, there's an association between alcohol use and colon cancer. So minimizing alcohol use can be helpful. Uh, there is a correlation between obesity and colon cancer, and particularly people that gain a lot of weight between kind of their early adult life and midlife tend to have an increased risk. So you know, trying to decrease weight as much as possible. Uh, we know that people that have a sedentary lifestyle, even if they're not obese, tend to have an increased risk of colon cancer. So getting more active can make a difference. And also there's an association with diabetes and colon cancer. So doing the things that you can do to control your diabetes, including weight loss and taking medications to make your uh, blood sugar levels be better uh, can make a big impact. Uh, we definitely know that diet uh, matters. So like we talked about the red meat and processed meat being something that you want to minimize, uh, fiber is something that you want to liberalize. Uh, fruits and vegetables uh, definitely help to decrease the risk of colon cancer. Uh, the more fruits and vegetables, and in particular, the cruciferous ones, the ones that have high fiber, like different lettuces, et cetera, um, tend to decrease your risk. And along with that, folic acid tends to decrease the risk of colon cancer. And getting enough folic acid in the diet would be ideal. Um, and then physical activity, I think we talked about but any kind of physical activity that you can do, movement is helpful. So whether, even if it's not exercise, just small things like parking further in the parking lot from the store and walking or taking the stairs instead of the elevator uh, can be a big difference too. Uh, there's a whole lot of information out there about different drugs. People ask me a lot of time, you know, should I take an aspirin? Should I take an anti-inflammatory? Should I take a cholesterol medicine? Should I do this? Should I do that? To try to decrease yeah. my risk. And there are some studies that do show some benefit uh, with taking these medicines and decreasing the colon cancer risk. But also these medicines have increased risk of things like GI bleeding, among other things. So mm -hmm. that's always something if you have good questions about to um, take those questions to your primary care doctor when you have your uh, regular checkups and ask them about your specific case and can this be helpful for you? Absolutely. That's, that is excellent advice. Um, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. This is, um, this is just great educational material. I feel like this is, um, you know, answers a lot of questions that people have. And so I appreciate you taking some time with us today. Um, in closing, is there any anything that you'd like to share or any any last thought or message you'd like to leave uh, with the folks that are listening out there? 
Sure. Jackie, thanks for having me today. I really enjoyed talking about this. And like I said earlier, it's something I'm really passionate about. It's colon cancer is something that's largely preventable. And if we can catch it early enough, it can be curable. So I think in particular uh, for people who maybe are not of that age to get screened yet, if you have any symptom, no matter how minimal it might seem to be, I encourage you to talk to your doctor about it because a lot of times people do think symptoms are something that are not that big of a deal. Uh, in reality, it could be the early symptoms of a colon cancer or even the later symptoms of a colon cancer. And the sooner it gets checked out, the sooner it can get dealt with. Well, thank you so much. And um, we look forward to, we'll have you back again another time and appreciate you being with us today. Great, Jackie. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Semi Colon Club podcast. See you next time. Thank you.